Hey, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design in Melbourne at RMIT University, and I'm with a very interesting uh, guy called Gordon Tate. Now, you might know the name Tate through outdoor furniture. It's almost become synonymous with Australian outdoor furniture. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Um, Gordon, you're an interesting one because you're not going to say you're a designer because you're kind of self-taught. That's right. I... I left school when I was 16. I was brought up in Sydney, and uh, so we lived in the northern suburbs of Sydney. My, I've always been very good with my hands and making things, so I think that was certainly going to be my, uh, my direction rather than going to university. So I decided to do a trade, and uh, sheet metal trade came up out of the blue at a, at a firm around the corner from where I lived and I thought wow that sounds interesting so I decided to apply and got that job um, and I've as I said I've always loved working with my hands I love mathematics um, and that uh, just seemed like the right direction for me. Gordon what was the can you remember some of the first things you made at that sheet metal factory? Well they were uh, from memory, they were a, a building suppliers a fabricator, so they made flashings for gutters and downpipes and boring things like that. Uh, from time to time, we'd get projects like uh, very early computer cabinets and weird things like that. And as I was quite good at, at the trade, I would uh, get put on the, the, the quality projects and not so much on the... And, and they'd say, Gordon, we need a computer cabinet designers one well i wouldn't really design it i would make the products uh and maybe i'd head a team of people that would um that would make you know, hundreds of these things it wasn't just one off mm. so gordon how did tate start because you now employ 30 people which is quite extraordinary you make everything locally in australia you're Life and business partner Susan Tate is creative director and also I should mention she studied textile design at RMIT University. How did that, how did the entry into outdoor furniture start? I can't imagine it started with, I think there's a niche, let's go for it. Well, I was working uh, for a printing company in the early 90s and uh, we, we had, there was a recession, Paul Keating's recession. Terrible time. Uh, and the, the firm that I worked for uh, went into liquidation and the, the owners of the business were really quite... We got along really well. We were almost family. Mm. And they they um, pretty much ushered me out the door. They gave me a bit of equipment that they had that they didn't need anymore and said, Gordon, you can do this, off you go. Printing equipment. I was, yeah, I was employed as a sheet metal worker to make this printing equipment for them. Right. So uh, it was a high-tech thing at the time, UV inks and uh, glossy magazine covers, that kind of thing. So uh, after they'd ushered me out the door, I rented a little factory in Fitzroy when you could actually rent factories in Fitzroy. Can't do it now. Can't do it now. And we had... Uh, it was a two-storey building. I remember it was $22,000 a year, and I was scared. A lot of money then. A lot of money. Uh, it was a two-storey building, as I said, and we, Susie and I had a great idea that we'd love to live upstairs, you know, warehouse living and all that. So we, we got a couple of friends over. Gregory Bonacera was one of them. 
we gutted the interior of the of the office upstairs and turned it into an apartment. So we lived there for six years. We had both our daughters while we were living there, and uh, Lily's now 20. So um, they were great times. I'd be tinkering away downstairs in the factory. But what were you making? Well, uh, there was a... There was a bit of business just through making products for the local community. Um, in steel? In steel. Anything from, you know, screen doors to uh, like security grills, custom pieces of furniture or shelving units. Or mm. I really turned my hand to... Anything. Well, many different things. And I didn't really say no to much because it was you know, very much the early days and needed the income. What I did, though, I, I really enjoyed the one-off and the challenge of, you know, mm. making a one-off, going from, you know, doing the sell, making the product, and then seeing the look on the client's face when you delivered it at the end. So how did Tate start? Well, that was the point Tate mm. started. It was the, when the when David and Bill ushered me out the door with, um, with that list of clients. Um, so that was 1992. Susie came on board in 1995, and that was the year that we, our first daughter Lily was born as well. So uh, Susie had resigned from her job as creative director at Red Earth and came on board to work with Tate kind of part-time while we... Gordon, what was your first piece that you really associate with Tate now that has now become a staple in your collection? Oh, that would have been... Uh, probably about seven years into the business, maybe in the in the mid uh, mid to late nineties, we made our first range of outdoor furniture called Fat, and it had a stainless steel frame, very basic stainless steel square tubular frame with timber slats, and we loved it. It was hot at the time to mm. make stuff out of stainless steel, and my background, I had a lot of training in welding stainless steel. And you obviously saw a niche in outdoor furniture, which is still not that well serviced. Well, at that time, we we got a big order for like 20 of these sun lounges, which was huge for us. And we'd made the job and successfully delivered it and, and then we thought, wow, this is a real niche here for us. So I think we, no one else was making outdoor furniture in Australia and we were quite good at it with my knowledge and Susie's style, mm. uh, styling ideas. We put together a range of furniture. So you kind of started building on that design and putting other pieces into the collection, tables, umbrellas... It was uh, it was all at the same time. We actually we we put together a range of furniture t- to pitch to George's department store when they reopened, which would have been late nineties. Yes, was 2000. mid to late nineties, mm-hmm. mid to late. So uh, we knew the buyer at George's, and he contacted us and said, well, "Have you got anything?" We thought, "Wow." Um, so having Susie on board, you know, this whole idea of putting a range together was foreign to me. Where I was more a one off. Uh, so how do you put a range together? What were you thinking? Well, I sp- with Susie's um, kind of creative direction experience, you, you put together a storyboard, mm-hmm. colours, shapes, styles. Mm-hmm. You know, this is all new to me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you whack it up on the wall. Um, you hope the And then and you, you, you look at it every day, you know, and it kind of instills, a, um, it instills the idea that, that you progress. So... 
And didn't George's buy it? They bought uh, probably three out of the eight pieces that we that we showed them. We cleared out the factory. We made all the prototypes and cleared out the factory and had, actually had the display in the factory when the buyer came down. Uh, so we were really proud because uh, we were up, up there in the loft at George's. Michael Young's Michael furniture. Young. That's right. So It was pretty exciting times. times. It was very good. So it's grown very, very quickly in a very short time. What do you think that growth spurt was a result of? I mean, is there just a lack of great Australian outdoor furniture out there? Or was it just you felt that yours was speaking to a local audience? Because a lot of the outdoor furniture that I tend to see is almost a little bit kind of quite streamlined. It's very sophisticated. It's very Milanese. Yeah, there's a lot of European product here, and they're very high quality, but they're mass-produced, you know, particularly in Italy, etc. Um they are certainly one of our competitors, uh, and however, often those European products don't stand up to the elements here in Australia. Because we've got harsher light. Much harsher light, much harsher, harsher corros- corrosive environments like the, the, you know, the eastern seaboard <laughs> all the way up. Um, so that makes it... That, so you started to think, well, really, there's a need for something more localised that responded to the local conditions. That's correct. We, um, you know, we make premium products that celebrate the out- Australian outdoor lifestyle and they're made for the Australian outdoor lifestyle. Talk me through some of the designs, Gordon, because I've got a few of your things. I've bought a few of your things. I've got your umbrella, which I love, and uh, even that. Um, I, I'm not sure if that's by you if you brought that in. That's The umbrellas are by Basil Bangs. Basil Bang. And the, even when I saw it displayed in your show for the first time, I thought, yeah, it makes sense. There's no great outdoor umbrellas. They are one of the, a great outdoor umbrella. They, uh, they're very high quality, and uh, they've got you know your funky colours to mm. the your classic stripes, and, and yeah. that's why we buy the product. Even though we, we are really a staunchly Australian-made brand mm. um, we we work with Australian designers we use Australian materials where we can and when you say you work with Australian designers what you felt like you can't do everything or you just wanted the expertise of bringing great Australian designers in it, it's uh, it's twofold see um, as you said earlier I'm not trained as a designer I have an excellent eye from my uh, sheet metal training and I, uh, I have a very keen design aesthetic and eye, and I can pick something that looks good and something that doesn't. So, so who are the designers you're working we, with at the moment? We, we've got about seven designers that we've worked with since we started uh, our first project with Justin Hutchinson in 2008. And who are some of the others? Uh, we're working with uh, Christina Waterson from Brisbane. Know her. And um, and what's she doing for you? Christina designed a beautiful screening system called Stella, which is a modular uh, system that bolts together and it comes in a kit form. Uh, there's a few different size modules and you can put them together into a, a plethora of different shapes. Like outdoor shelving? No, you don't use it as shelving. It's, it's more of a screen or a visual... Um, um, a, a visual piece where you can grow plants up, you can hang it on the wall, mm. you can hang it from the ceiling. Um, so it's a room divider. Mm. 
Uh, so it's a little bit, um, it's not furniture, obviously, and uh, even though there's a beautiful story behind the product, it's the design's based on the uh, on the, the the night sky in North Queensland where Christina was brought up. Who are some of the other people that you're working with? We're working with uh, currently working with Trent Jansen on our title collection, which is brand new. I'll explain a little bit more about yeah. that later. But uh, we've worked with Adam Goodrum uh, in 2012 to do our volley collection, which has grown to become probably our second best selling collection. It's an outdoor seating table. It's, yeah, chairs, table, bar stool, uh, lounger, and you may recognise the collection by the rocking chair, which is the hero product. Mm-hmm. So that's made out of a wire, a wire frame with a, a, a steel mesh, expanded mesh seating panel. Mm-hmm. The, uh, we've worked with Justin Hutchinson again on the Tilt Outdoor Kitchen which is a fold-away kitchenette that you flat-packable that you can uh, install in a residential, commercial, hospitality environment. Um, the And that can be used from domestic through to kind of almost semi-commercial. It can, that's right. And we've installed them in uh, many domestic homes and uh, corporate offices as well. The, the box closes, opens up to expose the kitchen. It has gas struts inside that help... Uh, and, um, Gordon, you've got this uh, timber-slatted screen that lifts up. Is that for ventilation or just... That's to... So, the, so it, it closes down into a box, so it's that's to make it look nice when... You're not using it. When you're not using it. So it's got a timber-slatted uh, door, as you said. It lifts up to expose the kitchen within. How do you see our, the change in outdoor living i mean it is very strong and it's probably i was asked to speak at a conference recently and they said what are some of the things that are changing and outdoor living is getting stronger and people are wanting more from those outdoor spaces as i imagine because the internal spaces are smaller and our footprints are smaller the yes the whole indoor outdoor room uh you know it's like you're you're just carrying the indoor out and these days you know i a lot of modern homes have mm-hmm. seamless indoor-outdoor kind of transition where, you know, the kitchen might extend out into the mm-hmm. into the uh, garden and become an outdoor uh, barbecue. Uh, so uh, we and, and in reverse, we find a lot of our products are specified for an indoor or breakout spaces mm-hmm. for corporate offices where, where they want a more casual kind of outdoor-y feel. It's also, I'd say, looking at Tate, there's a really strong injection of colour, something that the Europeans don't really do that well, or they don't, it's not their market. But that's something that I would say is very strong with Tate. We have, I've, I've actually walked into the showroom a few times and gone, pow, wow, that's, that's back. very colourful. Uh, we've got, we have paired it back a little now, and uh, we tend to... The furniture, uh, we keep that as a more kind of muted tones, black, greys and whites, etc. And the colour we bring in using the cushions and the accessories. Right. The other thing is, Gordon, do um, people approach you now and they say, look, we've got a specific problem. We haven't got this. We need this. Can you develop a system for us? You know, obviously it's volume work. Yeah. You're not going to do one-offs for, you know, something that takes so much time to for research and development. So do you... 
do you take on commissions as well for larger companies? We do. We work with architectural firms. Uh, Woods Baggett's one that we've worked with to create a, a, a particular piece for a project. Yeah. And um, one-offs is something that we do, do not do anymore, uh, even though it's too I'd expensive. love to get back into the factory on the tools. I just don't have the time these days. Right. Um, so how do you spend your day then? You You... You're obviously not hands-on anymore. You're spending most of your time what, managing people, making sure the product's right, like an editor. Well, my role is product. And uh, it's when you work with your partner, it's good to define your roles. <laughs> so Susie's more a creative direction, and I'm definitely product. So I liaise with the designers on new products. So we've got a two-year rolling product development scheme. Fantastic. And uh, and we often, you know, annually we may drop off an old product or re- revision it into something new. That's interesting, Gordon, because some of the products are, I mean, I th- think if something's great, why not continue it That's right. Well, products do need to be tweaked, and particularly from a quality perspective. In fact... Materials just- improve. Materials do improve or, you know, you might get a better a stain that's got better UV um, prohibitive, prohibitive qualities, um, those sorts of things. So we need to be always on the lookout for new materials, new stains and oils, etc. Um, and even just last week, I, I changed the design detail on a product that is originally started in 1995 is when we released that product, and it has morphed a few times into uh, generally still looks the same, but the design details are slightly different. Um, Gordon, you've done so many products. If I had to ask you what's something that you have a real, really strong affinity with, which piece would you say? There are a few that I love dearly. I would have to say, though, that our new title collection is very close to my heart at the moment. Is We've put a lot of work into it, and the new Sun Lounge that we released just uh, a month ago at Den Fair uh, is absolutely stunning, and it represents the rolling waves and the 70s uh, beach culture. There's also a bit of a... It's kind of evocative of earlier periods as well. I'm looking at even the 30s as, I mean, this is what it's saying to me. But uh, it is lovely. And outdoor lounges, chaise lounges, are actually very difficult to find. Yeah, they're quite difficult to find. As I said before, the Europeans do them quite well, but they're all quite generic looking and very yeah, modern and yeah. not very... This one's got wheels on it. Not very tight. Yes, we do have wheels. So this, this product is made from stainless steel wire. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, even though there are a number of wire products out there at the moment, the, the stainless steel uh, is unique to this product. So we offer it in a few different finishes in powder coat or electro-polished. And it has a beautiful wheel detail where we've, um, we have a, a two rings welded together with a, with a rubber tyre. Gordon, there must have been some disasters along the way. Every business that's been going as long as yours, you might have thought it was a good idea at the time, but then, what was I thinking? Was there something that kind of, I think you mentioned before, there was something that that didn't quite work out that well, and then it turned into something that actually was really quite a great idea. Well, from a product perspective, we have had our 
duds, ones that you know, weren't accepted in the market. I mean, was we, it too early? Do you think? I think too early. I think we were uh, we were ahead of our time. What and was we, that? We didn't have the marketing clout that we do now to what was that product? Product. It was actually called an eight table. It was a outdoor a, a, table. Yeah, it was an outdoor table that seated eight people, and it was a round table with four legs, and the, the seats were attached to the leg. Um, quite a unique design. The seats were attached to the leg, to, so it, the seats couldn't be moved. The seats couldn't be moved; they were attached to the legs, and uh, had a beautiful perforated pattern in the top. So, had we, I was actually said to Susie the other day, maybe we should have a look at that product again. Because that's actually one of my favourites. Was it because it wasn't flexible enough that people couldn't change the configuration of? Seating? No, I don't think that at all. I think it, it was we designed the product for like uh, education, university, um, corporate outdoor spaces where you had where you'd have a number of them on mass. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, in saying that, you could actually have one in your garden. Okay, it was based on a picnic table. Are there any things that you're really excited about at the moment? Any projects coming up that you're thinking, oh, can't wait? I am very excited and a little nervous. We've decided to um, uh, expand our factory and uh, we're putting in a, a, a new division, a new powder coating division, so we can control our own um, product finishing. So that's quite exciting and a little bit nerve-wracking because it's quite a leap for us to... Uh, and overseas, are you thinking about an overseas market, or is it definitely thinking overseas? We've, in fact, since we launched our new website last year, and you know, done all the you know, fancy SEO things that I don't understand. Uh, we've had so many overseas inquiries that uh, we actually we're working on a on a bit a daunting. Now. It is a bit daunting. Um, we're we're not export ready. And where, where, the, where is that interest coming from, Gordon? Any countries in particular? Mainly America. So uh, a number of inquiries from LA, from Texas, from New York, from Belgium, from Japan. Um, so it's pretty exciting time. So we need to do a little bit of work on just getting a little bit more export savvy. Because your products aren't... Uh flat pack. They're bulky. They're bulky. Yeah. So there's a cost involved in getting these great products overseas. Surprisingly, you know, if you if you order a, a reasonable quantity, the the freight ends up being about 10%. Uh-huh. So that's actually not too bad. Yeah. Um, what gives you the most pleasure still with the business? Because it has been 25 years? Almost. 20, nearly 25 years. What, what still surprises and delights you after all this time? Well, um, as a, I mean, I love product and I love the making side of it. That's really probably what gets me out of bed in the morning. And a new project like Tidal, even though it was quite a challenging project due to all the compound curves, and um, I really enjoyed working with the R&D team in the factory uh, just to realise the prototypes. And, uh, and the other thing I quite enjoy is taking my dog to work. Oh. Well, on that note, Gordon, um, look, thanks so much. It's terrific hearing about success stories, and you, you don't hear about them that often. And um, But also to, to be come from relatively humble beginnings and now to be facing 30 people every day must be quite challenging, I imagine, apart from the dog. The dog keeps them in check. 
Um, look, thanks so much for coming in today. You've been with uh, Stephen Crafty, Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks so much for listening.